Hello, and welcome to Leviathan News and the Goddess Boys. <laughs> this morning, there was a unknown source which came out with some information that a Bitcoin spot ETF had been approved, and people got super excited. Bitcoin went up 7% all the way to almost 30,000, and then about 15 minutes later, people we're actually checking the SEC's website. There was no information there. And it just came back that it was rumors. So huge market movements today. With yeah, little it seems that, seems that this was reported as fact by Cointelegraph. So now the question mm -hmm. is going to be uh, what exactly happened. Uh, it seems like Reuters even picked it up for a brief moment. You know, the, but it was the, in the Bloomberg ultimately is, It hit the Bloomberg terminal too. I don't have the 20K to afford that. <laughs> i missed it there yeah. you saw it in the bloomberg well i mean I, I i think it got picked up in bloomberg because it was in reuters reuters reported it so somebody reported it and then it just you know got thrown about everywhere right yeah pretty wild pretty wild so i think the question from what i can tell the initial source seems to have been coin telegraph that first reported it Mm -hmm. So now the question is like, what does this mean for Cointelegraph? Like, was this malicious? I doubt it. But how did it slip through their QA processes? I think they, they added one word onto this tweet that they sent out. So, uh, oh, they actually deleted it. <laughs> okay. So I had seen the tweet and uh, let me pull it up here just for posterity so we can all see it. Um, pull my window. Right, so here we go. Uh, the tweet is breaking SEC approves iShare Bitcoin spot ETF. Uh, this is Eric Balkanis, who is the senior ETF analyst for Bloomberg. And he's like, while I expect to wake up one day in the next couple of months to a headline just like this, this seems a bit ahead of schedule, trying to confirm the source now. And uh, I thought they went back and uh, tried to update it. Apparently, they added a comma reportedly to this tweet <clears throat> later on, but this post has now been deleted. <clears throat> kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> one, some of the arguments I've been seeing is that the SEC might well be like looking at the kind of market activity in the wake of this. Like, what exactly happened? Like, was there market manipulation? Like, how's things going to react? And just more generally, like, I don't know. Like, I'm skeptical on like we always hear these things are always like sell the rumor by the news. And it did turn out that this was a uh, rumor. So maybe, you know, we should have been um, maybe, maybe it's appropriate. But with the actual news of an ETF breaking, like, I don't know. I don't know. It seems it seems crazy. Well, I would have done this. I mean, let's look at the chart, right? Here's a one minute chart for uh, the BTC and uh Nice little pump and dump chart to start Monday morning. <laughs> right. It's that pump that I'm like skeptical of. If the ATF actually got approved, would we just see uh, Bitcoin go up by 2,000, 3,000 bucks and kind of stay there? Of course. Like that yeah, seems... I think so. But in theory, if we know that that's like a likely outcome in the next three months, like shouldn't the market be front running that? Like it doesn't make sense to me why it would pump if it actually happened. Well, typically, I mean, there's, you know, prices prices move in three ways, right? They move on uh, short term Up, news down, reaction. Sideways. No, I'm I'm talking about the, like the speed at which the market digests news, 
So when you have these um, like market or news driven market responses or like news driven uh, responses or action items, uh, the market tends to move immediately because people are trying to price it in. I mean, this was well ahead of schedule. I think a lot like that tweet said, the people that are watching these ETFs intently, we're not looking to see a Bitcoin spot ETF be approved for six months or so. So this being well ahead of schedule would affect uh, the potential you know, price appreciation or movements over the next like quarter or two. And then they have to readjust their long-term models after that. Um, so their short-term responses. And then outside of short-term responses, which can generate, you know, like a one to 10% move on the day, then you have like long-term price catalysts, uh, which determine what the price is going to do over, over the next like year, 10 years or something like that. Um, or even quarter as well too. So uh, typically the market will react first and then it takes time for everybody to fix their models and deploy capital. I guess so. I don't know. I'm not, this is why I stay out of the trading game. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I liked your tweet about it, about how this is all in response to uh curves or curves, uh, deleveraging. You know, that's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've long like read the financial news and, like the trick that I hate the most is when like you know um, you see like some CNBC headline that's something like you know Dow Jones goes up two percent as blank, implying that there was like a causal relationship between two events that happened to be occurring at the exact same time. Like mm -hmm. if you time it, what did Michael know? When did he know it? Um, <laughs> it's just. Can we? Uh, can we also say ridiculous? Can we also say that you pretty much tweeted this out at the Pico Top? Yeah, there was a good knife catch on my point. If only I could like knife catch my uh, ability to like, like wittily like s post on uh, X instead of like, <laughs> I don't know. I should be I should be doing this for money, not for like karma. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it is interesting. I mean, it is coming right, and we are going to see an ETF. I know that a lot of people it's like one of those news stories about like uh the boy who cried wolf that we always get told about that there's an etf coming there's an etf coming and when it comes there's probably going to be good market reaction to it but uh, until that point it's going to be a lot of rumor mongering and other yeah i guess trying to rationalize it i could see where if you buy now expecting in six months it will pump yeah. So what? Like, if Bitcoin drops to five thousand dollars between now and then, and then you catch a ten percent pump at the bottom, I guess like timing is as important for shorting as it is for expecting pumps. Yeah, I think we're gonna try to have Matt back on this week because I've been speaking to him over the past few days, and he's put together a really interesting outlook of what uh, crypto prices are gonna do over the next couple of quarters and it doesn't look very good so i want to get him back on to talk about his assumed like base case for uh deploying capital in these markets yeah that'd be good to that'd be good to like chat with him because i'm i'm dumb i just like think we've been in the bear market for a few years and i'm like starting to buy now because i feel like we've been in bear long enough it has to flip at some point right right 
<laughs> yeah, right. But I have flashbacks to 2018, where after we had run up on Bitcoin up to 20,000 and come back down, we had we were sitting in this area around 6,000 for like six months where it was just kind of trading around there. Prices weren't really going anything. The volatility was really suppressed. And then we had that huge sell-off going down another 50% down to $3,000. And that was the actual bottom, right? Yeah, so, that was rough times. <laughs> yeah, it was very rough times. Uh, so I, there's there's no argument. Well, I mean, there, there's, there's a couple of good arguments that, you know, the the case for the next few quarters is that we come back down to 15,000 again, test those lows. Um, I'm ready because, for it if know, it happens. You know, we cover this every day, right? And maybe you can give me some opinions, but like, where's the bullish catalyst coming from? Like, what what are the positive? This is Monday, guys. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep the vibes Monday-like. So where do the, where's the, like bullish catalysts, like other than the spot Bitcoin ETF, like what's going to bring back billions into uh, capital deployment? I mean, to be honest, I don't see the bullish catalyst in the short term. Um, like, I mean, I'm here for the technology and like, I've been super interested in seeing like everything people have been building, but it also isn't lost on me that no matter like what cool innovations, you know, Curve USD, SFRAX, like get, no matter what gets released, prices still keep going down, right? So if the people aren't coming and the price isn't coming as a result of everything we're building, we literally have nothing except for just like the cool tech that we're building along the way. Yeah. And maybe this goes back to like the catalyst for the like previous cycle. Maybe we just got ahead of ourselves so much because Alameda used $8 billion of customer funds to to pump the market as they did no but i i i'm not joking True. here i'm i'm uh, yeah I'm, like... <laughs> I'm laughing at the gallows humor of it like that that was what we all got excited about yeah where <laughs> the you know alameda was able to throw such money at the market that like everything was pumping and they had no um there, there's nobody else right so like without without an alameda without a genesis without a celsius that is that is able to defraud customers and use all those funds to to pump the market. Who's going to be buying? And yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe we just got ahead of ourselves in the previous cycle. Maybe we should have peaked at like thirty thousand and and had like if if everything had been muted in the 2020, 2021, uh, because FTX hadn't had used their power fraudulently. Maybe we'd be in a better place now, but you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, and now we have to live with the consequences of what is going on with SBF. Yeah, one of the ways I survived the 2017 to 2020, however long it was, uh, bear market was by just kind of saying like that irrational wick up to 20k um, when that had been the previous all-time high. Like I told myself that wasn't real, right? Like that was just like you know over speculation or what have you. Um, but it kind of seemed to me that like the right price for Bitcoin was lower. And I feel like I've done the same a little bit with the most recent, like that 60K, six, almost 70K, that was a mirage. Like the right price for Bitcoin always has been like around 20K or something. Um, but I don't know, like the having narrative has proven pretty strong. Like, I don't know, like if you ask for like the bullish narrative, 
the having narrative, if it plays out, we should probably start to see something starting to move in the next year or two. And you know, to some degree, it kind of has. I don't know. Yeah, like we're above previous all time high by a long mark by a wide shot. Yeah, well, we've gotten to the final boss, which is the feds and the regulators. It's no longer just, you know, SBF. SBF is not the final boss. Maybe he was. <laughs> he was like the uh, interim raid boss that you get to. But the real final boss is going to be the feds and how they allow the crypto ecosystem to function over the next decade. And one of the big issues that has come up has been this IRS new regular like rules proposal which are somewhat draconian well not somewhat but very draconian and have ruffled a lot of feather feathers in the crypto community thankfully gabriel shapiro who runs the lexpunk army which is a cadre of lawyers and other people that are interested in helping policy for crypto uh, have put together what they call a raid alert and so they've created a a handy AI helped way to uh, draft a comment letter that you can send to the IRS uh, where you type in what you're interested about. So here we go. And whether it's privacy or identity theft, confusing to sudden impact abroad. So you just check the boxes that you like. You can enter your own concern, type in a, a tone, spicy, low variance, right? Let's make it fully spicy. Let's make it over the top, like, and uh, go with a couple of terms, and let's generate a letter. So it generates you the letter, the and tone. then, right? Oh, do I have to what? I think you got to select a tone. I did. I went for a hundred over the top. Yeah, the, right Just above for... that, the select a tone drop down. Oh right. Uh, what should we be here? Patriotic. Let's be patriotic. I like that. Um. And it will generate for you. I'm I, I'm guessing they're using some sort of like ChatGPT in the background to do this. But uh, shout out to Gabriel and everybody at LexPunk. Very cool idea. Okay. So while this is generating, um, would you be able to like explain in a bit more detail to me, uh, who was busy touching grass this weekend, what these rules actually are and what they mean for me? Oh, man, it's... It's not so much for you. That's the issue. For you. Okay. <laughs> so turning the, the tone level down. Yeah. So the the primary. Okay. So the IRS wants everybody to pay their taxes, uh, and they typically do this by instituting a monitoring regime uh, for what they call brokers. Now, in traditional securities world, where you have intermediaries, you have custodians, you have uh, broker dealers that are all connected into this giant security system, it's very easy to issue guidelines like this because, you know, like I trade stocks at, you know, X platform, and X platform has all my information, and so they can issue me uh, a, I believe it's a ten. It's not a 1099, some sort of like tax form at the end that tells me uh, how much my basis was, how much I earned over that period. And then I put this into my taxes and I file it off with the IRS. Uh, and so by doing this, 
they ensure that there's this like middle layer of institutional surveillance and reporting to the IRS so that everybody pays their taxes. But with crypto, it didn't really work like that because everybody's decentralized. And, you know, like if I have a, like, who's going to collect that information really? And so what the IRS is saying is that anybody who helps facilitate any sort of crypto transaction at all uh, is considered a broker and needs to institute a surveillance system to track their American users. Uh, and then at the end of the year, they need to, uh, starting in 2024, they need to uh, issue these like crypto specific tax forms to the people that use their services uh, that essentially monitors all their transactions through every platform that they use. So, and, then, and this is just very wide ranging uh, and it affects DeFi as well. So like Aave would need to uh, know who's using their platform, uh, collect all that information and then issue tax forms at the end of the year. Curve would have to do the same as well. Um, and also other websites that may just be helping process transactions. So based on the rules as given right now, a website like Etherscan would be caught up in this. It's really unfortunate because Etherscan, while we just use it to look at transactions, you can build and then execute transactions through the Etherscan website. Additionally, uh, wallets like MetaMask, because they have a swap function in there, uh, would be caught up in this as well. MetaMask would start having to uh, KYC their users and additionally, they would have to issue these tax forms at the end of the year. Uh, and it's, so it's all a bit draconian, right? Because we're talking about like open source software here. And if if these, if Curve doesn't issue these, these forms, these tax forms, like who's liable, right? And as we saw in the UkiDAO case, it's, it's everyone, it's all the token holders. Uh, it gets pretty nasty and it's not a route that we want to go down. And so they've asked people to comment and make comments and you should make comments because they do actually read these, uh, you know, while using generative software to create these letters, it does help to actually provide some context and uh, write something that is a bit more personal. So let's pull up what we have and I can come in and read this. Um, I feel obliged and express my sincere astonishment at the incredulity uh, and the audacity of your proposed regulations regarding gross proceeds and basis reporting. <laughs> uh, yes, you're giving us a whole month to provide our valuable feedback as if you expect us mere mortals to drop everything in our super hectic and glamorous lives to mull over these incomprehensible regulations. <laughs> uh, so anyways, like <laughs> the horrors of identity theft loom large over your proposal. It's it's really nasty, honestly. Like you Where's can go and read this. Though? This supposed to be Jingoism? patriotic. Whereas, do we have some patriotic stuff in here? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry involved in DeFi will be amongst a chorus line, obliviously whirling to a different beat, questioning their very existence in the metaverse. And last but not certainly least, let's acknowledge your unbashed dismissal of matters beyond the grasp of Uncle Sam's boundaries. How wondrously grand. <laughs> Pretty good. What's I was this? expecting like eagles crying. I know. And then there's some weird stuff down here as well, too. Uh, it's a little bit messed up. But 
very interesting. I would I would suggest everybody to go read these uh, if you're American to go read these treasury guidelines because they're they're pretty bad. Um, like like very bad. Probably the worst thing that I've seen come out of I mean, it's really like the it's it's really like everything. It's not just it's not just the IRS guidelines. Um there's so much that's being proposed right now uh, to try to institute a middleware mass surveillance layer uh, to track and essentially uh, create a associative database of everybody in crypto so that they have a uh, like an identity that they can attach to anyone's uh, address no matter where they are it's 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 pretty scary actually yeah well i'll go ahead and uh i'll go ahead and write a comment letter seems like a good use of my time even though i don't don't fully understand it we should get alex on this week to come talk in a bit more detail yeah i mean we he's come on and he's talked about it a little bit um so i wrote an article the couple of weeks ago called regulatory crackdown is the u.s ending DeFi's golden age and it talks about it here where uh, we had the CTFC enforcement. Do you remember that one um, yeah. against uh, Open, ZeroX, and Deridex? Just telling them that that geoblocking was not enough and they didn't really provide any more information there. Um, they also, oh, and then, and then I believe it was Deridex or Open, one of them. Um, they, so the CTFC said, that while Open Geo blocked U.S. addresses from accessing its website, it was not sufficient to actually block U.S. users from accessing the Open Protocol, and so they instituted other screening methods, and apparently they put in some middleware to block U.S. associated addresses using a white blacklist built into their smart contract. That's that's really the scariest stuff, right? Is that the the IRS and then the alphabet soup of three-letter agencies? is going to enact these draconian proposals and rules and policies regulations that will force uh defi regulators or not DeFi, not defi regulators like defi builders uh to implement middleware to essentially block large swaths of addresses that are associated with specific kyc character parameters like where you live um and or like a risk score right based on how many hops you are uh and this is going to be wide ranging as well too and this is kind of like the the future that we don't want to go towards because we're all building towards a a open and inclusive future and and bringing in all the nasty stuff that the the u.s specifically uses to wage war on uh on financial entities that it doesn't like is abhorrent i believe so thus far we've mostly seen executive branch overreach get slapped down by courts at this point isn't there enough precedent that even though the irs might be in like better graces in the courts than say like the sec then still the precedent might lead to this getting smacked down too or is it um, irs is like their word is gold you know the the problem is is that these agencies are operating in a environment where 
they are using existing rules, regulations, and laws to to make these decisions. And without any sort of sufficiently new uh, laws that are passed by Congress that create carve-outs for crypto, specifically DeFi, um, I, I think they're going to continue to try to expand their purview and control of of the crypto space in actions like these right they're going to keep trying but thus far like the judicial branch is mostly like slap back at it like i'm not like wild about the judicial branch getting to like legislate this but it hasn't been too bad so far has it yeah but we were talking here about something different which gets into like aml bsa um and and tax compliance which the securities industry has a very wide-ranging and long-standing uh, surveillance regime for securities uh, and they work closely with the regulators to to pass on this information um, crypto doesn't have any of that and it's one of the reasons that the the feds look down on DeFi and crypto so much because there is no way to implement AML that you would have at like a bank or somewhere else. There's there's no way, right? Like for a product like Curve to implement KYC AML and uh, have this address screening, keep Americans out, like it, it's not going to happen. And so from the get go, it just it 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 will not work with how the existing rules are are implemented and created it just doesn't work and so we're really rapidly heading towards this clash of um, ideals and and laws where you know the crypto builders are need to, essentially need to to get to the point where they're they're not like ThorSwap, right like they're they're building applications that are mutable and once they're deployed they're just out there and fully in the wild and cannot be shut down by anybody because there, if there is any backdoors or ability to pause or a multi-sig that controls anything uh, that will get leveraged and used to, to shut down whatever sort of uh, DeFi protocol that you're building in the future and if you don't think that's like i yeah go ahead Oh yeah, can I ask how you're kind of like squaring this uh, stance with Frax V3, which is like you know very explicitly like taking treasury bonds and would be like you know leaning in very closely into this kind of um, regime. I think it's a it's it's risky, obviously, but that's the whole point of crypto is to engage in this regulatory arbitrage, and if you don't push the boundaries mm -hmm. of what you can and cannot do, then um, you know, you'll be left with the existing system that we already had. And so what I what I think the pretty much everybody in the stablecoin space is betting on is that we get clear stablecoin rules in the next six months. I mean, we already have it in in Europe and there's already uh, increased clarity that have been given by regulators concerning how uh, DAOs might interact with, or like what the legal status of DAO is, how they interact with other companies, like these sorts of requirements. I think the that is the the play that they're kind of going on. And obviously it is risky, but 
you know, at the end of the day, it could work out well. And maybe this method that they've created and also the method that, that maker is created, uh, is something that will stand, uh, the test of time, but we'll see. I mean, obviously everything in crypto is risky, right? Yeah. So I know hypotheticals are like, you know, kind of useless, but let's go ahead and play anyway. If you get to a situation where Frax, like let's say half of its TVL comes from SFRAX and like officially like, you know, money that you're using to buy T-bills and the government approaches and says that you have to lean into this new re like surveillance requirements and Frax, the kind of already deployed decentralized stable coin has to implement KYC on all transfers. Like, what would you be advising Sam if you could be a bug in his ear there? Sam Kazemi and not you. Well, you I mean, say, Sam doesn't have any control over the DAO, the right? S no, I mean, like, Sam doesn't have any control over the DAO, right? Like, the, the pain point that... Right, but the U.S. government, like, you know, says, points their gun at him and says, you, you know, we who? don't care. And who? But what's he going to say? It's like, Sam. Yeah, but... It says, sure, lobby but, the DAO. Yeah, but, like, they, they, it's the same thing with Curve. I do you mean, advise him to, like, ditch SFRAX at that point? Or do you advise him to, like, lobby the DAO and, like, encourage people to vote in favor of accepting the KYC? Like, I mean, I'm curious the, where you stand on that. The, the contracts are immutable, right? And for any changes to be made, especially now, now that the new governance system is being implemented, uh, it's, it's impossible for one person to do anything. Or anybody with the multi-sig as well, too. Um, you know, it's, it's like that paper. I, it's like, remember that paper? I agree. That, it's impossible, but you could, it's you not could write an editorial. No, but like, look at the, look at the, do you remember that paper that was discussing curve a while back about like how they would go after curve? Um, which one? Well, like how they would influence VFX or like the VEFXS, uh, to implement, um, uh, like regulatory compliance on top of it. Do you remember that? It was three months ago, four months ago. Uh, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, they said they would lifetime they, in crypto. They would they would have to make it so onerous for VEFX holders that not to vote for this outcome. Uh, they they essentially have to go and use the nuclear option, which is to right. You know, like leverage every. Single, I guess. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this is why hypotheticals are kind of useless. I'm just saying, like, in that situation where you're kind of like forced to decide which way forward, like lean into government uh, for frax or like rip apart, rip out the S frax stuff and go completely decentralized. Yeah. And you got to, you know, you, you have to like write an editorial advocating to FXS governance voters which way. At the, at, you know, at the end of the day, I think that the outcomes will be highly politicized, like we saw with the FTX fiasco. The, some people have better channels into the halls of power and they use them in a way which gives them regulatory capture and incumbency. And I think we'll see that over the next decade as protocols try to entrench themselves uh, and keep their competitors from uh, attaining the status that they have. So, you know, I, I think the, when you look at it, it's, I, I think it's impossible to say like which protocols are going to come out the winners. Um, but you know, some will, and some will have good lobbying and political power that can help their cause at the end of the day. Yeah. So just while we're on the subject, I wanted to point to some interesting telegram discussion on the curve side of things happened over the past weekend on this very subject. So one of the curve pools is STBT, which is matrix docs, uh, LS, not LST, um, RWA. In this case, um, the 
pool is kind of interesting because basically there is like no ability to interact with matrix docs st bt unless you've actually like been whitelisted so it's like if you aren't allowed to use the pool and you try and like withdraw from it it reverts but other than that like they have a curve pool deployed it works fine and but one of the interesting things about it is that it's extremely extremely imbalanced let me uh pull it up real quick like 90 10. basically what, what are the um, what are the assets like, again no one uh, this is between, uh, I believe, Curved USD and the Matrix Stock SB, STBT. Mm -hmm. Trying to pull it up here. I like that comment, but pool is permissionless and doesn't care about KYC, Hayden, or hookers. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Telegram is like the most fun place to be. All right. Um, is, is this is this the? I think it's really actually, nice. Is this, is this the CRV social channel? Um, either the social channel or probably the social channel. Yeah. Yeah. The social channel is wild. Like it's where all the fun happens in the curve ecosystem. If you guys aren't there, <laughs> really uh, you can, yeah, you can find it. It's a, it's a public and open channel and you can go there by going to CRV traders on telegram. That's CRV traders. And, uh, Michael's there plus all the other curve guys just like shit posting all day. Um, if you have trouble fun. finding it, go to the main curve telegram and post anything about the price and they'll send you there. Yeah, that too. Um, okay. So, uh, I have the pool up on screen and it's not like now so good. Um, but I have a link to what it looked like before one second. And this what is, is what now? the pool was at as of this morning. It was 36 million to one. Whoa. Curve USD. Why yeah, is thirty six so million Curve USD? Because you anyone's allowed to transact Curve USD. STBT not so much. So wait. So why is the why is the imbalance so high? That's so weird. So so people because no one could interact with STBT unless they'd actually gone through and KYC'd. And wait, what is this? What is STBT again? How did it's it attract the much? Talk real world asset uh because it was getting really strong rewards so it was getting mm -hmm. uh you know three digit apys so people just oh, went wow. ahead and didn't care about the like any slippage or any price impact they just went ahead and, like just dumped curve usd into it uh right okay so matrix doc short-term treasury bill token were they, were they funding it themselves with their own rewards did it, did uh, I don't. I think Mitch was actually trying to get some uh, STBT to add to the pool, and he he couldn't get through the KYC, even though he un, was un, like <laughs> unintended. Consequences. Yeah, submitting all the documentation, everything. Unintended consequences, like add some. You add a pool. It's like it's like a single sided curve USD staking pool, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, but interesting, they have eighty million dollars total supply of these short term treasury bill tokens that is yielding 5% and they've distributed $2 million of interest to their, to their holders. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, we've really like run the gamut, right? Where we've gone from degenerate speculation to saying, Oh, Hey, a 5% yield is the bee's knees. <laughs>
Yeah, it ties back to the question you had at the beginning, which is like, what's the narrative that's going to get us out of the bear? And like, I I'm, I like, I'm definitely bullish on getting all these RWAs on chain so people can actually like use it to build other great Ponzinomics atop kind of safe 5% yield. Um, it just really strikes me that like, if I personally am investing my dollars, like it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to like do a on-chain derivative of these yields that could be hacked or, you know, rug pulled or frozen or whatever. Um, when I, as an American citizen, can just go right to the source and buy T-bills directly. So it's like... Yeah. Any, any of the on-chain RWAs have this like extra layer of risk um, that I don't know that everyone fully appreciates, or maybe like everyone's just such a degenerate gambler, they don't care. What I worry about is that the early builders who were the cypherpunks that cared about like radical transparency and immutability and sensorability are slowly being not driven out of the market, but they've made so much money at this point by buying Bitcoin or Ethereum early uh, or launching protocols that they're just leaving. And the new guard of builders that are coming in, they're young and hungry, but they see the crypto ecosystem as a way to like build products so that can be VC backed and pump their bags and walk away with millions of dollars at the expense of implementing these middleware KYC solutions and AML mass surveillance uh, regimes that are detrimental to the long-term health of, of the crypto ecosystem. And maybe that's the case. You see like some of the papers that Vitalik has been putting out recently about soulbound tokens and privacy pools and about how they can be used to uh, bring in these systems to open it up to TradFi. Uh, it's, it's worrying, right? It's like the first time that I have seen in the six years that I've been working in this industry that I've really seen a shift in, in the mindset of people and what they're accepting for uh, like technological implementation. And like one of the stories that we've seen recently has been this Uniswap KYC, uh, story that is coming with, uh, Uniswap V4. And so, oh, let me pull this up. Can you hear the baby? Sorry, there's a I baby can. in the background. There is a baby back in the background crying, which is unhappy. <clears throat> about so, Uniswap KYC, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. I know she's upset about it as well, too. Uh, so Uniswap is, is, this is a little hyperbolic, right? Uniswap is not preparing mandatory KYC. Uh, but it is one of the hooks. This is a third-party hook that was created uh, and uh, was added on their website. Essentially, they, they want to create a NFT that would allow you to trade certain assets. Uh, there was a lot of uh, discussion about this. Um, uh, and this is not like front, this is like back-end services. But I, I don't really I don't really like see the the kerfuffle here because Uniswap already allowed for uh, this sort of whitelisting, blacklisting to occur. Like you can make permission pools on Uniswap v2 and you can make permission pools on Uniswap v3. So I, there's nothing really crazy, uh, new that's being added here. Um, and, but, th but this is kind of like, worth doing, right. Uh, but yes, you know, like Seraphim is saying here, like, mm-hmm. 
the funny thing to me about the idea of permissioned pools is that the thing that usually fails them is just that they're when it's like restricted too much, nobody ends up using it. And as a result, it just kind of doesn't catch on. Whereas like the unpermissioned pools have like a wider audience they can cater to. Uh, a lot of DGENs like just don't care. They just ape in. So like when you dramatically restrict your addressable market to just like the handful of players, like it kind of just becomes like a what's the point type situation. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of um, TradFi institutions don't want to trade in non-KYC pools. I mean, it's just obvious, right? And there's probably a lot of feedback that they've gotten. Right. All I'm saying yeah. is that when people create KYC pools for them, they still don't trade. So I think that it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The yeah. whole thing's uh, kind of wacky. Um, you you're saying that like a lot of the old timers just got rich and left. Um, one of the interesting things is that um, like you know it's well that like you know not to like bring it back to curve like I always do, but like when they saw those screenshots from Telegram from earlier, like Mitch could have retired a long time ago. Um, but, you know, he's on Telegram at three in the morning posting, and I'll go ahead and quote him. KYC and DeFi would mean death to DeFi, in my opinion. So we need to resist that as much as possible. Yeah. So, like, I think there's a lot of old timers uh, who still have this kind of libertarian ethos that are still around. Um, just the one issue with kind of the you know libertarian ethos is that that's not everyone. Like, there's a lot of people um, like, you know, former co-host of the show, Rex, like he is like decidedly not like on board of libertarian mindset. If you want to build a crypto institution that caters to everybody, you have to take the libertarian mindset with the non-libertarian mindset alike. I think it's naive. I think that that viewpoint is just vastly disregarding the previous 30 years of financial repression and Which viewpoint uh, the viewpoint that we need to cater to everyone or the viewpoint of the non-libertarian well, set i mean the the entire idea of a permissionless open decentralized ecosystem and assets is that anybody can use it right you don't have to screen for like and you don't have to screen for uh sub-saharan countries that are on the united states like ofac list right. <laughs> you know you don't right. have so to we have, and we have the yeah. neutral ledger but atop of it like there could be an infrastructure of like permission DeFi, which hypothetically if you caught on it could be serviced by that open and permissionless ledger i mean the it, it's i don't think it catches on that's the thing the only the only way the only way that sort of system catches on is if it's uh, enforced through uh, draconian laws that uh, bully. I actually disagree. I think I think there's an easy way to get to catch on. What's that? If you like, if I was the government and I wanted like my KYC chain to take off, I would just look at what works and its incentives. Like the U.S. government can print money however it likes. If it like started doing airdrops to people who join KYC chain, the history of DGENs tells us DGENs are going to ape. Yeah, but we already right. have KYC chain and it's the banking system. Like you can use Venmo and Cash App and have your Right, but they're KYC. not giving away like the NFT airdrops. They're not giving away like the 500% APY Ponzi farms. Like if I mean, the US Cash government App, like really wanted to get uh, people using it, they could. I think that Cash App has their like Cash App Fridays where you can win 50 bucks, which is probably good and enough. That, that stuff works. <laughs> It does. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I were designing it, I design a lot more honey, a lot less vinegar. 
yeah that's why i'm not going to be like elected anytime soon Mm -hmm. but the there was some nice commentary uh about these kyc pools uh saying that these the 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 bsa aml tentacles are going to try to slide in sooner or later and so these hooks essentially back-end requirements that developers they'll probably be forced into doing it and if they don't you know extradition roll you up hello you're now in jail like alexi pertsev and the rest of the tornado cash developers um the, the you know those are those actions against the developers who are creating open source code are shots across the bow to every single developer that is building saying that you know toe the line and make sure that you are not uh, essentially going abreast of uh, these these financial restrictions or we'll arrest you put you in jail you'll never see the light of day again and that's a chilling effect yeah it's obnoxious i think it's in my opinion it's extra legal like they know that the um they know that they might lose these things in courts but it doesn't matter if they can just like go in you know arrest as many people as they can and then after the fact they uh get released it still doesn't matter like you still taken years off Pritzev's lives by the time it gets resolved in smackdown and like they have no qualms about using this like in my opinion extra legal authority so yeah i'm with you on all this uh yeah <laughs> okay so just to bring this up like here's a here's a nice tweet from austin campbell that is saying that uh they're talking about binance but he's essentially saying these are the words of a man unfamiliar with the past 50 years of u.s financial regulation even before we get to the crypto part u.s regulators asserting vast extraterritorial powers because a wire passed through nyc is very much a thing so this is this is one of the reasons why like DYDX is not going to be hosting any nodes inside the united states uh teams are not hiring americans um it's it's all part of their uh, plan to uh, maintain their supremacy over the, the finance sector and especially crypto system yeah but um just being the realist like because again i agree with you on all the ideals but realistically their plan is working like they keep clawing more power for themselves and they keep succeeding so we gotta you know position ourselves to live and win in this world yeah, I, I think the the tweet that I always go back to is uh, the one uh, where it's like, I'm sorry, your mass surveillance regime <laughs> requires intermediaries. <laughs> uh, it's, it's is that back favorite. to bunny? No, it's not back to bunny. It's um, uh, I'll find it one second. We should get back the bunny back to talk about this. It's been too long since we've had the the bunny bunny cast. Yeah, I <laughs> the bunny was more than welcome to come back, and we we love him here. Um, but yeah, we we'd actually like to know from you guys at home what you would like to see. Uh, obviously, we talk about news and stuff here, but if you have any specific thing that you want us to uh, investigate or bring on. Uh, if you want us to talk to more like VCs and capital deployers, 
or we can shift towards doing that. Uh, typically, we've, we've been focusing on builders uh, for the past few months, uh, which I think is always positive. Uh, but let us know. Let us know who we should bring on. Please come on Twitter and check us out there. You can also find us on YouTube as well. And uh, we've gotten such hate from the walking treadmills that we're actually just going to leave it. People like us standing <laughs> in place. <laughs> we'll stay. We'll stay fat for you guys because we love you so much. <laughs> yeah. Before we bounce, we should probably. Um, we should probably just mention that uh, you know this morning as we were talking about that kind of fake ETF approval. Uh, you know, we did make a mistake here at Leviathan. We did accidentally approve a headline that went through um, that initially cited it as having also gone through. We quickly changed it. We quickly edited it. And Cointelegraph um, and uh, Woo Blockchain had both uh, sourced it at that point. Uh, so that was our initial source. We uh, yeah, we nipped it in the bud, and it's just about five to ten people who saw it. So if you're one of the five to ten people who saw it, uh, we uh, yeah, we we messed up, and that's on us. We're going to keep working on our QA processes, and we're going to make sure that we uh, we do a good job in the future of delivering you all the news that's fit to ink. Yeah, everybody got juked out by that one. All right. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to Leviathan. I'm going to go take care of this baby. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you tomorrow. <laughs>